0: Good afternoon, all, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Everyday Black History. Today on Everyday Black History, we're going to be uh, talking about a man by the name of Bass Reeves. Now, Bass Reeves uh, was the first black deputy U.S. Marshal uh, during the time of uh, of post-Civil War America. Now, we're not highlighting him because he was the first black deputy U.S. Marshal. The reason why we're talking about him today is because um, it is believed that the old uh, popular program, radio and TV program, The Lone Ranger, was actually based off of Bass Reeves' career, his life and his career. Um, many aspects of Bass Reeves' career were taken and put into the character or used for the story of The Lone Ranger. Even, even um, having a, a Native Indian um, partner... The same way, you know, the Lone Ranger had Tonto as his as his partner, um, rode on a white horse and everything, you know, stood for justice and all that other stuff. You know, Bass Reeves as well, you know, had a native Indian partner. He rode on a white horse and he um, uh, and he also uh, was a was a marshal who picked up, you know, dangerous criminals, um, some of the most dangerous criminals during that time. So it's just interesting how once again a brother was the inspiration for something that was very very popular uh, During its time um, when it was a radio program and a TV program and even a movie recently that was done a few years back with uh, Johnny Depp but let's get into a little bit of uh, a Little background information on him Um, He was uh, born Bass Reeves. He was born into slavery um, in uh, Arkansas in 1838 and uh he was named after his grandfather whose name was Bass Washington. Um the Reeves family uh were slaves uh, of an Arkansas state legislator by the name of William Steele Reeves. Now when Bass was about eight years old, they moved to uh, Grayson County, Texas, and um he served he uh, served uh under uh William Steele Reeves' son colonel george reeves who was a sheriff and legislator in texas and a one-time speaker of the texas house of representatives now when the civil war began um george reeves uh joined the confederate army and he took bass reeves with him and this is how bass learned how to shoot and how to handle himself which would serve him later on as a as a u.s marshal um now it is unclear exactly when uh, Bass Reeves uh, left his owner, left his owner, and, and became freed. But at some point during this the Civil War, he gained his freedom. And there's one account that's, that that uh, recalls that um, that Bass Reeves and his owner had an altercation over a card game, and that uh, Bass Reeves severely beat his owner and fled to the Indian Territory, where he lived as a fugitive slave. Amongst the Cherokee, Creeks, and uh, Seminole Native Indians. Now, if that's the way he got his freedom, then that's a pretty badass way, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, that's just one account. This, you know, it wasn't proven or, for, you know, a fact for sure um, that if that was the way he got his freedom. But I just figure if that's the way he did it, that's pretty cool. But uh, he stayed in the uh, Native Indian territories and uh, learned their languages until he was freed by uh, the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery in 1865. Um, and uh, as a as a free man, he uh, uh, moved to Arkansas, um, a farm near Van Buren, Arkansas, which is the, one of the biggest cities out there. And he uh, married and had 11 children, fathered 11 children with his wife. Now, his... Uh, uh, his family uh, farmed until uh, 1875 when um, Isaac Parker was appointed uh, a federal judge he was a politician and a, jurish, and a jurist and um when he was appointed a federal judge for what was called Indian Territory um Reeves uh, joined his um his uh you you know band of marshals there was only about they hired about um they wanted to hire about 20 deputy U.S. marshals and uh, Bass Reeves was one of them who uh, they hired because they heard that he knew the uh, Indian territory and that he could speak uh, several of the languages and the dialects. So they recruited him as a deputy, which made him the first black deputy to serve you know, west of the Mississippi River. And he was assigned the um, as a deputy U.S. marshal for the Western District of of uh, Arkansas, and he, which was had the responsibility of you know controlling or patrolling rather the uh, Indian territories. Um, he served there until 1893, and then he was transferred to Texas, um, where he served for a little while, then transferred again um, to uh, Muskogee Federal Court in the Indian Territory. Now he worked. As a U.S. Marshal for 32 years, and uh, at this time, um, the Indian Territories was uh, was was the Wild West. You know what we know as the Wild West. You know that was you know the Indian Territories during this time. There's a lot of outlaws were hide in these places to escape from to escape from the law. You know if they did a crime, whatever, robbed a, a train or whatever, murder. They would escape to the Wild West. So you had a concentration of. A bunch of felons and outlaws and criminals that uh settled here in the in the indian territories um where he was the u.s marshal and um I believe it's fort spring it was known as the uh hell by the border because it was so bad but um he's is known throughout his career that he brought in some of the most dangerous criminals of the time without being wounded um by the time he um retired he in 1907 he claimed to have arrested over 3,000 felons, having shot and killed 14 outlaws in self-defense to save, you know, to save his life. But um, as mentioned, he was a marksman with a rifle and a pistol, and he even uh, developed uh, detective skills, which, help, which helped him um, to catch to catch the uh, the, the criminals, to catch the, the outlaws. He even arrested his own son uh, for murder when his son was charged with the murder of his wife. Um, he demanded that he be the one to bring him in. And um, uh, he tracked him, uh, captured him, tried him, and he got convicted. And it is said that he, his son lived the rest of his life as a responsible and model citizen. But he even brought in his own son uh, for murder when he broke the law. And uh, when Oklahoma became a state in 1907, Bass Reeves, uh, became an officer of the Muskogee police department and served there for a couple of years before he, um, retired because of, uh, declining health. But, um, he, uh, um, uh, he, uh, was once, he was once charged, you know, with murder, but he, uh, beat the trial, you know, he was acquitted from the trial. And, uh, you know, he, as he got older, he, um, uh, couldn't continue as we mentioned to uh, be a, a U.S. marshal because his his health started to fail, and he died on January twelfth, nineteen ten. But his legacy uh, continues to live on. Um, as he, um, there was a, a bronze, there's a bronze statue of him um, that was erected in um, Oklahoma, in a fort, in a was it was um, sculpted by an Oklahoma by an artist from Oklahoma, excuse me. And it was erected in Fort Smith, uh, Arkansas, in May of 2012. Um, he was inducted into the Texas Trail of Fame in 2013. You know, whatever that means, I'm sure anybody from Texas listening know what that is. And I apologize for that. Um, he was also uh, there's a bridge that was uh, that was named the Bass Reeves Memorial Bridge. It's a bridge that spans the Arkansas River between Muskogee and Fort Gibson, Oklahoma. So his legacy continues to live on to this day. But as we mentioned earlier, um, his life and his career was used as the inspiration for the popular TV and radio show, uh, The Lone Ranger. Um, as mentioned, his um, he had a partner who was a Native Indian, and his partner was um, was a was part of this mounted police force. Uh, Call um, oh man, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's a Lightfoot, but I can't remember the name of the Mounted Police Force. But it's a Mounted Police Force of um, of what was known as the Five Civilized Tribes. You know, the um, Cherokee Indians and um, Seminole Seminole Indians. Those tribes. Well, uh, Bass Reeves' partner was a part of the Mounted Police Force of those tribes, and. As mentioned they would go to the most dangerous parts of the uh what was known as the indian territories of the time and it would just be the two of them you know, most men would go in with 10 men you know it would just be the two of them they'd go in there and and you know bring back the most dangerous criminals of the time so these are two uh, brave men you know one a native indian one a, a black american and they were badasses for, for for the time you know that they were that they lived um and, you know, upheld justice you know throughout their, throughout their careers of working in, in law enforcement and proved to be an inspiration for a popular radio and TV program that's even still making movies as recently as a few years back. So, I mean, you know, we just wanted to highlight that because, you know, it's just goes to show you how, once again, you know, a black man and even a native was and even a native Indian was inspiration, you know, once again. But, uh, you know, um, not a lot is known about Bash Reeves. You can find information on him, but definitely look it up. If you look it up, you'll see that there is, um, you know, that, you know, you know, um, they believe that the Lone Ranger was based off of him. But it's a shame, you know, his career and his life was, um, you know, kind of looked over you know throughout history and there of course there's not going to be any you know people who admit that uh they used him a black man as inspiration but you know when you look at the similarities of the cat of the character and how it you know corresponds to him you know he was definitely used as you know the inspiration for the lone ranger and it's just a shame that his um his uh, contributions even to law enforcement was was um, overlooked throughout history, so we highlight him on Everyday Black History, like we do everyone who, you know, uh, contributed much to society and who, you know, was overlooked or forgotten about through history. So, Bass Reeves, we thank you for your contribution to Black history and Black culture, and we salute you. Now uh, that concludes this episode of Everyday Black History. Um, this thank you all for the support, and uh, please continue to um, tune in um we uh you know have we have the you know facebook we're on youtube instagram so you know you can always check us out, and wherever you uh listen to podcasts you can find the everyday black history podcast all right but uh stay tuned for the next episode it'll be coming at you soon